Welcome to Southside Student Ministries podcast, where we are all about developing students into lifelong followers of Jesus. We trust that the message that you are about to listen to will help you know God better and help you live a transformed life. If you have any questions about what you heard, please visit us online at www.southsidestudentmen.com. Thank you for listening. All right, go ahead and wrap up those conversations real quick. Go ahead and wrap them up. So the whole purpose of that exercise is to get you talking. Because here's the deal. Look at your guys' lists. Those are super huge. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. People disagree on these topics. And the question is, is how are we supposed to even have conversations with people? In fact, if you watch today's culture, it's a very unforgiving, not grace-filled culture at all. In fact, if you disagree with people, if you say something like, I mean, literally, if you just say something that someone disagrees with, all of a sudden it's like you hate humanity. Like, like you say something like, oh, what, do you hate women now? Like, oh, that's not at all what I said. Like, I just said, hey, man, like, that's all I said. Like, we can say things in the world that people just go crazy over, but we have to be able and willing to have these conversations, especially as a Christian. Here's the deal. As a Christian, you have to be ready to have these conversations. In fact, I think I, I'll just, I'll just go out and say this. I, we say this a lot of times. You're either pushing people towards Jesus or you're actually pushing people away from Jesus. And simply how you respond to people's questions can do that. If you respond in the wrong way or the right way means the difference. Now, here's the deal. The more times we talk about these things, the more practice you have, the more you're going to screw up. I'm just going to warn you, you will screw up so bad when people ask you questions about things. But that's okay, because the more times you practice, the more times you get used to it, you'll be willing to have conversations over some of even the world's toughest issues that are out there. Issues such as political issues, parties, Democrat versus Republican versus even just Libertarian. Here's the deal. There are Christians all over the place. There are non-believers all over the place as well. But even more inside of political issues, you have parties. You have just you know personalities. Like you have Bernie, you got Trump, you got Pelosi, you got Hillary Clinton. Very specific people inside of political parties. Just building the wall itself, that's a hard conversation to have with people. Gun rights, war, just war in general. Um, also, immigration and refugees is a hot topic issue right now. There's also like political move, not just political, but just general movements as well in our society. We've seen movements in the last few years, such as Black Lives Matter, a very powerful movement. Another one was the Me Too movement. That started what, like a year, two years ago? Like really big? I think it was like two years. Was that about two years ago? That Me Too movement came out, and here's the deal: that movement wrecked some of the biggest churches and seminaries. In fact. My own president of my seminary lost his position because of stuff that he did. The Me Too movement is going over by storm. How do you respond to that as a Christian? And another one is feminism is super big right now. And on the flip side, masculinity as well. How do you handle the, the, the struggle between what's biblical manhood and womanhood? And not just biblical, but how do you have those conversations in general? Which, side plug, all freshman dudes, so all dudes freshmen and up, Aaron Fairchild's having a Bible study for freshmen all the way through all the old people, every Wednesday night at what time? 6.30. 630. That starts in two weeks, right? Uh, yeah. Starts in, starts in two weeks. So, so if you want more... Or mature, okay, freshman and up. So if you want more information about that, go talk to Aaron Fairchild about it. And here's the deal. There's even people's issues are personal issues. This is where it gets really scary to have conversations. Issues such as abortion, 
just the meaning of marriage, sex, and not just sex, but sexuality as well. With homosexuality, there's also transgender. There's even like so many other different terms like gender fluidity. And um, what was the one that we watched in the one show the other night? It's like non-binary. Like you're like you're just you're, you're not a he or she. You're just a them. Like there's a whole different conversation in that. Now marijuana all of a sudden is legal. Pot is legal. What do Christians do by it? But well, just all drugs in general, including caffeine. How do you have conversations about that? Alcoholism, dress, and even this is where it gets kind of awkward. Legalize public nudity. You go to San Francisco, you can walk around. Someone who can be in the skates and butt naked just skating around San Francisco. It's legal. It's legal in San Francisco. The only rule San Francisco has is when you sit on a park bench, bare skin can't touch the bench. You got to put a towel down. Everything else is completely on limits, not off limits, on limits. How do you deal with that? Churches who are in San Francisco, how do they deal with that? We got to be ready to have these issues and these conversations come up because here's the deal. It ain't stopping in SoCal. It ain't stopping in New York. It ain't stopping in Portland, as weird as that place is. It's coming. It's coming. And what are we as Christians going to do about it? And not just do about it, because doing stuff is important, but how do you have conversations every single day with people on these issues? If I would put a list of questions up on the screen, I thought about doing it through Kahoot, but we decided not to, of how comfortable are you with having a conversation about what just happened in New York with abortion? Are you comfortable? Not just like comfortable, but are you ready to have a conversation about that? What about homosexuality? In South Bend, we have the only openly gay mayor who's running for president. How do you have conversations about that? How do you have conversations about legalized marijuana? Because all of a sudden, it used to be, oh, if it's illegal, you can't do it. It's a sin. But all of a sudden, it's legalized now. The government says it's okay, and supposedly it doesn't do anything to you. So how do you have these conversations about it? Alcoholism. Marriage. Sex. Any types of pornography, sexing, anything like that. Where do we draw the line? How do we have conversations about this? And here's the deal. Today's world moves fast. In fact, if you look at when Aaron Fairchild was born to when I was born to you guys right now, culture ain't slowing down. Culture is rapidly changing so fast that it's almost impossible to keep up with it. Hence why your parents don't know what the heck they're doing with the remotes. Like, like even my mom, like I have to say, you press this button. What button? This button, mom. She doesn't get it. She just doesn't get it. Parents don't understand Snapchat because it's moving so fast. In a couple years, all of a sudden, Snapchat's going to be gone, and people are on to something else, to something else, to something else. And let's just be honest. It's because, let's be honest, your parents are on stuff, so you don't want your parents on there. I was that too. My mom was on this. I got off that. I went to something else. That's just the way culture's moving. It's moving so, so, so fast that how are we able to keep up with it to be able to have actually educated, formal conversations that don't actually push people away rather than talking about simply what to say tonight for certain issues because there's so many issues we can't talk about all of them we're not going to talk we're talking about what for certain issues but we're going to be looking at how okay so this is where your slips pick up it's blank but i'm gonna have you guys write stuff down so here's what we're gonna talking about tonight is how do you have conversations with people who you disagree with that's all we're talking about is how do you have conversations? I'm going to give you some tools in your tool belt that no matter what conversation is, whether you know anything about it or not, you can have an actual educated conversation with somebody with the hope of actually pushing them closer to Jesus. You don't need to know anything about certain issues to be able to have good conversations with people. And if you follow these little steps, it actually will help you. So there's actually four things that we can do to actually have good conversations with people. Go, Gaby. Wait. 
Uh, how? Just how do you have conversations? I haven't told you the first thing yet. With people, yeah. Here's the first thing, all right? Ask more questions than you give answers, okay? So when conversations come up and people go, hey, Cassidy, what do you think about abortion? You don't have to give an answer right away. You can actually flip it and go, what do you mean? You can start to ask and pick apart the people's conversations. And rather than be put on the defense, you can actually ask more questions. In fact, did you guys know that in the Bible, Jesus asked more than 307 questions in the four Gospels? And some of those questions, like if you put them together, because a lot of them repeat, if you take away the repeats, Jesus asked 307 questions in the New Testament. In fact, most of what Jesus even said was in some form of a question. In fact, these are some of the questions that Jesus actually asked his disciples and other people. One of them is, who do the crowds say I am? They said, so Jesus, who are you? And he flipped around and goes, well, who do they all say I am? Other people say, will say, hey, Jesus, so, so who do you say? And he goes, well, who do you say I am? Another one was, do you want to be healed? Because someone asked, are you the Messiah, Son of God? And Jesus goes, well, do, do you want to be healed? Another question he says, like someone would ask Jesus, hey, so what's the greatest thing? Or uh, what's the greatest law God ever gave? And Jesus says, well, you know it. What does the law say? Instead of giving the answers right away, Jesus actually asked questions. And rather than always giving the answers, Jesus asked the questions, but why did Jesus ask questions? That's a question we have to ask. You like that? The question we have to ask is why did Jesus ask questions? I know it's goofy. Here's one, okay? You, you can write this down if you want. You don't have to. I'm going to go through them quick. Questions are not safe. Okay? Questions are not safe because you don't know what you can... This isn't going to be on the screen. Questions are not safe because you don't know what people are going to say. One of the hardest things in my, like, like having conversations with you guys is it's different from when I'm actually preaching up on stage. I don't know if you know this or not. When I'm up on stage preaching on a Sunday morning, it's a monologue. Y'all sit and talk to me. Or you sit and listen to me. You don't interact. You don't ask questions. You sit and you listen. That's, those are very easy to do because I can get through my material, present it beautifully because I am prepared for it. Where all of a sudden when I come down into this youth group sphere and I'm talking, also when you guys ask a question, that's terrifying because I don't know what you're going to ask, what direction it's going to go, and it's not a safe place to be. So if you're asking people questions, it's actually not necessarily a safe thing. Why is it not a safe thing? Because questions can go right to the heart of the person. If you ask someone a question, all of a sudden you're causing them to not play it safe anymore. If someone's asking you a question, they're asking you to not play it safe anymore because it gets right to the heart of the person. Here's another one. Questions make people think. We don't like to think. We're lazy people. But if you start asking people questions, they'll start to actually think and have to process and be able to have conversations as well. So when you ask someone a question, now they have to think about the issue as well rather than just give a canned answer that they've been prepared for. Here's another one. This is just kind of an obvious one, but questions let other people talk. Questions let other people talk and be heard, but most importantly, questions show that you care about them. If I take one of you guys out for Dairy Queen and we're just hanging out and I'm just talking, 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 it's going to have a whole different vibe of if I'm out with Eli and I'm constantly asking Eli questions or if I'm here and I'm constantly asking you guys questions. A lot of times if you guys text me, I don't always give an answer back. I give a question back because I actually want to look like I'm engaged in the conversation. I want you to go, well, what do you think about that? And if you keep asking more and more questions, people are going to think, oh, maybe he cares about what I think about the topic. 
Uh, there's some friend of ours. Um, there's actually a really close friend of ours. She's not a Christian. She's pretty, I don't know if she's agnostic or atheist. She, I don't even think she knows what she is. But the more questions you ask her, the more willing she is to actually like talk back and us to be able to have more conversations with her. Because a question is showing, I care about you. I want to know what you actually care about the issue. And here's the last one, okay? Questions get to the heart of the matter. Questions actually go to the heart of the matter. So Jesus asked question after question after question. And here's my question for you. When we're dealing with hot topic issues, do you give your opinion more or do you ask people their opinions more? It's a scary place to be. When we're talking about abortion in New York, what just happened? I don't know if you guys even know what happened in New York. They just legalized that someone can actually have an abortion right before the baby even comes out. There's no circumstance though. The mother can have, oh, I don't, it's, it's mental distress. I can't do this. Get rid of the baby. So, and the mom can actually be dilating, which means like baby is on the like exit ramp, like going off like baby highway. And then like, this is causing mental distress. Get rid of this thing. They can have an abortion up into the point of the baby coming out. We have a lot of opinions about that. We have a lot of opinions about that. Especially, I hope you do as a believer, as a Christian, I hope you have an opinion about that. I got an opinion about that. I know Fairchild does, but here's my question for you. If someone asks about the opinion, do you just hit the opinion off or do you ask them about it? Trying to figure out where they're coming from, why they're asking the question. Because a lot of times people who have a very strong opinion about it experience something else. In fact, a lot of people who are very much pro-abortion probably had an abortion. And sometimes you want to ask the questions to figure out why is it such a strong issue. And if it gets down to the point where you keep asking these questions, you can get down to the heart of the matter of this person's actually maybe hurting. They don't know exactly what to do they're, or they're justifying something. They, they're looking for more answers. Asking the right questions can get right to the heart of the matter anytime. So whenever a hard issue comes up, be prepared to ask and ask and ask a lot of questions. Just to be inquisitive, just to show that you care. Don't be stupid about it. Don't just ask questions for questions sake, but ask questions to actually show that you care. Here's the second thing you can do, okay? Second thing you can do with tough conversations is look for common ground, okay? Look for common ground. Um, in Acts 17, the Apostle Paul was in Athens. When he was walking around Athens, he saw so many things. In fact, um, I'm trying to remember what they called the city of Athens, but it was one of those things where basically you walked around, it was like one living like tabernacle, one living temple, basically. Anywhere you looked, there was a shrine to some altar or some god all over the place. Philosophers had theirs. These people had theirs. There were shops creating idols and, and shrines and everything like you would not believe. You walked around Athens. You literally walked into one of the places that a Christian should not be in at all. Very against Christianity, but for every other religion. America sees nothing like this. Now, America is a weird place where there's Mormonism, there's Jehovah Witness, there's Wiccan, there's all these different things. Imagine every single world religion all in South Bend, and you had to walk through it every single day. That's what the city of Athens was like. When the Apostle Paul was walking through it, you actually see in Acts 17 that he kind of didn't even like talk about the bad things. He could have walked up and said, oh, why do you worship that idol? Why don't you, like, you know that's murder, right? Like, why do you worship this idol? You know that's fake, right? He actually didn't look for the things he disagreed with. He looked for the end. He looked for the common ground. Uh, Greg Steer talked about this in that video we watched a couple weeks ago about like ask, admire, admit. He actually was talking about that when the Apostle Paul walked in, he said, hey, I, I noticed you have this altar, the altar of the unknown God. Do you know about them? No? Well, let me tell you about them. He was trying to make a connection point with them. When you're asking people questions, they're going to bring issues up. When you're talking about someone with, with abortion, 
or even feminism, let's talk about fe feminism for that matter. What is the original purpose of feminism? It's so that way women are not treated as just doormats, that they actually have value, that they actually have a place in society. If you're talking with someone, the feminist, and you're asking questions, you're figuring things out, and they say, look, I just want people to accept that women can do just as much as men. You're like, you know what? Women do have just as much value as men. I agree with you on that. You want to look for common ground to show that you actually, A, are paying attention. Like, let's just be honest, you're paying attention. You actually care. You're engaged in the conversation. But if you look for that common ground, that breaks down barriers. That lets you in to the next step of having conversation. When you look for common ground, you start to have these dialogues and conversations. And chances are, if you start looking for the common ground, if you start having these conversations, if it actually is starting to connect and actually you know, develop into a conversation, chances are this will happen, which is number three, is be ready and be hopeful. Chances are, if you find common ground and you actually are trying to connect with this person in a level in some way, shape, or form, the chance will come for you to share what you believe. This, I've actually seen this happen in my own life. There's a, a Starbucks barista that we've been pouring into for a long time. She, she got pregnant, lost the baby. Um, we were trying to care for her, take care for her, um, trying to connect in all these different issues and all these different places. Um, she's not married. She's, she's engaged. She's kind of doing the stuff that, honestly, probably, should, you, if you're a believer, you, you should not be doing. But have I ever put her down for that? And the answer is, is, well, no. I've encouraged her, hey, well, why don't you get married? I'm trying to push her in the right direction. I'm trying to help her and guide her through that. But because I met her where she was at and I found that common ground of, oh, look, I have a kid too. But I know people who have lost babies. I know people who are infertile. I can understand. I can empathize. I can relate to that. I've been able to share my faith with her and also go out to lunch with her fiance and share my faith with him just because I'm trying to make these connections. Chances are if you meet people where they're at and you let them talk, they're going to let you talk. I can almost guarantee it unless they're just jerks. They're, they're going to let you talk. So always, always, always be ready to talk about what you believe. Also be hopeful, but here's the caveat, okay? Don't expect everyone to believe. Chances are, when you have conversation with people, they're not going to believe. In fact, when you re even read through the Bible in Acts 16, the uh, pastor talked about this message today, the Philippian jailer. Um, the Apostle Paul was just doing his thing. He was singing hymns. He was probably ministering to the actual guards that were there. But it wasn't until something crazy happened that the, that the jailer went, tell me about what you know. Where is your faith found? And the Apostle Paul was ready to say, it's in Jesus. I mean, what happened? The entire Philippian jailer's family came to know Jesus. The next one, though, in Acts 17, when Paul went to Athens, a lot of people say the Apostle Paul failed because the, because not many people came to know Jesus. In fact, a lot of people said the Apostle Paul, that was the biggest failure of the Apostle Paul's entire career because he went to Athens, he gave the faith, and only, it's, the Bible says, and a few people came to know Jesus. But I don't think that's a failure on Paul's part. In fact, I think that's crazy awesome. The fact that in all of these gods, the Apostle Paul was ready, he was open, he was willing, he was excited to share his faith, and a few people came to know Jesus. But then when you see Acts 26 with Paul before uh, King Agrippa, he was able to give a defense. He actually was able to present his entire case, the entire story of the Christian, of the Christian walk, starting with God the Creator and walking all the way through Jesus. And what did King Agrippa said? You almost convinced me to become a Christian, but you didn't. In every interaction Paul had, he was always ready, he was always hopeful, but not everyone came to know Jesus. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what the result is. You just need to be willing to be ready and be hopeful 
and excited to have these conversations. In fact, we read in 1 Peter 3, 5 that it says, always be prepared to give an answer. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. But there's a key part of that verse, and I want you guys to see that. So grab your Bibles real quick and go to 1 Peter 3, okay? Grab them real quick and go to 1 Peter 3. If you don't have your Bible, you can share. That's cool. First Peter three. First Peter three fifteen. This one should be very recognizable to, to many of you guys. Wait a minute. There we go. Uh, it says this, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord is holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. In other words, whenever someone has a conversation with you about the hope that's in you, what's the hope that's in you? Jesus Christ. Whenever someone is like wants to know about this Jesus, be willing and ready to give an answer for the hope that you have of that. But what does verse 16 say? But do it with however, what? Or however. Do it with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience. Always, always, always be ready to share your faith. And here's my question. Do you even know your faith? Do you know the gospel? Elliot can sing to you the gospel. He knows, you know, where is A? Where is A? Here I am. And then it's like all have sinned and then Christ died for us. But I want you guys to remember the gospel isn't just about men sin, Christ died. That's not the whole gospel. That's like me giving a book to Marissa and taking out the first 50 pages and the last 50 pages. That's not cool. It doesn't set you up. It doesn't tell you how the book ends. you got to show the whole story of the gospel, that God created the perfect earth, and one day it will be perfect again, but here's why it's messed up, and here's what God did to fix it. That's what the gospel is. But you want to do it with gentleness and respect. In other words, you want to be able to share the truth, but do it gracefully. Do it kindly so when you have that conversation, the person is willing to listen and actually ask you more questions on the back end. So you always got to be ready to give an answer, okay? Here's the last one you got to do, all right? The last one is what the goal is. What the, what's the purpose of these conversations? And the goal is Jesus. I want you to write that down. The goal is Jesus. So how do you have tough conversations? You ask a lot of questions. You look for the common ground from their answers in those conversations. And then be ready to talk about your faith when they ask you questions back specifically about it. But ultimately, the goal is Jesus, okay? The goal is not to win the argument, okay? The goal is not to win, which uh, if, if you know me, that's painful to say because I, I don't lose. I want to win. The goal of an argument or a conversation with a tougher conversation is not to win. It's not to change their opinions. It's not to change their minds if they're not a believer. If they're not a believer, your goal is not to make them become a Republican. Your goal is not to make them whatever side of the line you fall for gun rights, immigration, homosexuality, abortion. That's not the goal. The goal is Jesus. And that's very hard for me to say because there's a lot of tough issues that I think as a believer you should actually follow and understand. But when you see 1 Corinthians 12 2, or sorry, 1 Corinthians 2 2, um, you can go there if you want. You don't have to. I'm going to read it for you. In 1 Corinthians 2 2, the Apostle Paul said this um, When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you weak and trembling in fear. 
My speech and my preaching were not persuasive with words of wisdom, but they were with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying. When I came to you, my goal was that you came to know Jesus. And when you come to know Jesus, when you decide to follow after Jesus and give your life to Jesus, what happens? This is just, I'm asking you guys, this is not like, they're like, like rhetorical. When you actually follow after Jesus, what happens to you? You get changed, you get regenerated. Who comes inside you? The Holy Spirit comes and starts transforming you. And when someone follows after Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes in to convict, to change, to encourage, to build up. And I can almost guarantee this, when the Holy Spirit actually starts working in someone's life, they will start to see the world as God sees it. Not maybe the world that you see it, because there's still going to be some differences. But they're going to hopefully see things the way God sees it. Now, here's the deal, okay? We need to come alongside people and be able to have conversations. There's going to be a lot of you guys in this room that maybe you don't know how to have conversations. Maybe, I'll just be honest, maybe you guys have some, in my opinion, according to the Bible, wrong opinions about things. <laughs> my opinion. You might have wrong opinions on certain things. We're going to come together. We're going to reason together. We're going to work together to be able to, A, know what we believe on certain issues, to be able to defend why we believe what we believe on certain issues, how to have conversations with people about certain issues. But those are not the end goal. The end goal is Jesus. Whenever you have a conversation with someone, I don't want you to think, how can I make this person, like, like this conversation I've had with people, the end goal is not for me to get this couple married so then they can, like, you know, under God's, like, law, then have babies. Like, that's not what the goal is. The goal was for them to come know and follow Jesus. And as they follow Jesus, they will obey his commands. Because the Bible says part of the Great Commission is to make disciples and teach them what I taught you. In that conversation I have with this couple, my goal for them shouldn't be to live a good life, a good moral life, but the goal is for them to come to know Jesus. So my question for you is, are you willing to put aside preferences for these next maybe month or two to come to the place with a blank slate and actually be willing to have these conversations, to talk to people about Jesus? When having tough conversations with people, you got to ask a ton of questions. You got to talk. You got to ask. And I'm going to make you guys ask a lot of questions here in the future. Um, you got to be able to actually try to find common ground. You want to be able to have conversations and then be willing to give a defense for the hope that you have.